Welcome, listeners, to the 30th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me, as always, are my wonderful friends, co-hosts, powerful wizards, Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. The very best to welcome to you, dear listeners. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello, everybody. And I can't believe that we're actually 30 episodes in. That's crazy. That is crazy. And you can find all of these 30 episodes every week on the Top Tech app. In today's episode, we will discuss the paper play of last week and the paper play of the past year, as this is, has been the last week of organized paper legacy play in Stockholm for this year. It's going to be holiday breaks and stuff that people care about. Uh, and we'll then take the opportunity to discuss... Uh, sort of our personal perspectives on 2021 of paper. We'll get to other perspectives in next week's New Year's episode. Uh, But so first things first, Robin, you had a nice paper week, am I right? Yes, I did. My cat just ran over the keyboard. I hope I didn't screw anything up. Uh, Yeah, I played uh, the blue and red 8-cast deck that I have been importing from Uppsala. It went well. I, I succeeded to win all my matches, so uh, ending on a high note for this year. Uh, I can go through some of the plays. I, I started off playing against a new Legacy player. It was his first event, playing Modern usually, and he was porting his Modern 8 racks deck over to Legacy. I mean, uh, discard is not at its best place in Legacy, I think, right now, and this deck was a little bit of a budget version as well. And I think plays turn one saga into making two tokens into grabbing shadow spare <laughs> it's very hard to deal with if you're trying to kill someone with the rack i mean that's just the one card combo that does all that and i also realized that chalice was very strong against this deck because like most of the interaction and the removal was one cmc cards in game two i i got a little bit worried after a small pox resolved but i managed to top deck the draw spells and rebuild from there. So in a top deck war, it's really good to play eight casts in the deck. And then on to the second game, I faced off against four color loan. Pretty much the the old school version, I think, with a, a splatter of new cards. But he's got a slow start and uh, against deck that wants to trade one for one with decay esque cards, uh, I can just power out so many threats and be a little bit faster, I think. He didn't do much except playing a chalice on one and then got beaten down. And uh, in game two, I don't really think that he realized that chalice is bad against me. Oh, chalice on zero is good against me, but chalice on one is bad against me. We played that again and he played uh, a chalice on zero as well. But by then I already had a Sai doing tokens and an Emery playing zero drops that got countered, but at least made a top there. So... uh, I presented an overwhelming their board in the end. Uh, a sweet thing about the list, I I sort of had two flex spots. I've been uh, playing different cards there, but for this evening, I actually played old school favorite, Ice and Fire. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. In the in the main or in the sideboard? Two in the main. Oof, that's so ballers, man. Yeah, because you know I have been feeling that I need some sort of removal, and uh, I've been considering playing Bolts. And going down on chalices, but I felt like ah, chalices is still good. I want to play some sort of two mana removal, and I don't want to play a braids in the deck that already struggles with like the blue count. Uh, so this one pitches to fall when it's a dead card, and it kills off uh, annoying things like uh, collector roof if I have the red mana 
because I also played two Volcanic Islands, as I should say, to get a little bit of better mana. I mean, Ice is also a hell of a card. <laughs> yeah, it can do some really nasty things. So, so in in this in this game, I did get to play Fire, kill one uh, Bob and one Dryad Arbor, which was really nice. Uh, then on to game match number three against Doomsday. Uh, I had a great hand for turn for like the first game. Played a Chalice on one. He didn't have a counter at that point, and uh, he had a, a hand with a lot of one drops, I think. And when he eventually goes for it, I have a counter magic as well. Then on to game two, I keep a really good hand, but he's on the play, so I get to play a turn one saga and an emery of uh, a petal, and I have force and blue card in my hand. That's quite a good start. On turn. I play a bubble and replay that bubble, so I have two draws, draws incoming. But by them, he can go off with Doomsday and he has a force backup, so my counter magic doesn't do it. And in game three, I have a, a real killer hand. I play turn one Chalice and he forces it. I play two, another Chalice, which he has to force as well. <laughs> and then I can follow up on, on turn three with a Torpor Orb. And... Uh, that card is sort of lights out, but he, he has a Chain of Vapor. I've seen it when he has resolved Doomsday, so I know that he can dig for it. And then I find Emery, so that I can replay one of the Chalices from the Grave. And that is mostly lights out. So I have a lot of cards in the sideboard for this matchup, I should say. I think I'm, I'm up to 15 interaction or something like that, when you're counting Torpor Orbs and Chalices and all of that. Yeah, that's hard. Um... So I, I really think like uh, the whole idea of you know torpor or being in that deck, it, it feels super strong actually, especially if it's a matchup that you might not feel like super comfortable with. Like I've heard you talk about different taxes being hard earlier, and uh, you know having an Emery that gets gets to just dig through four cards early can really stop like yeah, Stoneforge Mystic trigger, uh, like. Apparition triggers, like most of their good cards that buy them time, so they get Cauldra and stuff down. So it's it's extremely good there, I guess. I mean, there's been some talk about Torpor Orb as well, because it's famously a card that's just really good right now, uh, obviously. Fits in a lot of sideboards, and has for reasons sort of unknown to me before I had this conversation with people, why has this card never been reprinted? It's like the perfect bulk rare from New Phyrexia, and apparently, the conspiracy is that Wizards of the Coast does not want Torpor Orb to be circulated in more copies because people who play Commander have a feel-bad around Torpor Orb. I have no idea if this holds true, but I thought it was a good conspiracy. Like, the feel-bad is still there. Like, now they just have to pay, like, what is it, 20, 30 bucks for it? That's uh, also feel bad. Exactly, it's a sum zero game. Either you feel bad because you're overpaid for this new Phyrexia bulk rare, you feel bad because someone played a card that was good against you. I will earn the side that I will side with the people who make the game more accessible, but hey, that's just me. I can totally see how like the, the printing policy of Wizards has been a lot of creatures with coming to battlefield effects. And like that has almost replaced spells in some sense. So uh, I can see how this sort of card, is, it's, it's just like a, it, it wrecks the whole design perspective. It's like of those old school cards that, that cancels out an entire set, you know? What is it called? City in a Bottle, <laughs> for example. That says every Arabian Nights card must be discarded. <laughs> Fantastic card. So Torpor Orb is pretty much like 
creature. It's sitting sit in a bottle for most creature decks. Seriously, it, it, it deals with some of the hardest matchup. I think the completely hardest matchup is elves, because you have your only interaction is forces and chalices. And if they have one shepherd, they can just forget about all that interaction and just roll over you with the trampling elves. So, uh, like, Torpor will be super important there to stop the value engine and also make Crater Hoof quite anemic. And uh, so, yeah, Death and Taxes, Torpor Orb... No, sorry, Death and Taxes, elves, and, uh, of course, Doomsday. Some really... Difficult matchups where it comes in. So until to the final match, I face off against one of the local end bosses on uh, Blue and Red Delver. In game one, I have a fast Saga hand and top deck one of my needles. So I play it on turn one. Name Wasteland, of course, uh, so that the Sagas can go untouched. On his second turn, he play two Darcy's. And I slam a Chalice. And he just spews one drops into his Darcy's to, to fuel up Merktides. And uh, so we get into this situation where I'm swinging with Constructs and he's swinging with Dragons. And uh, of course the, the Shadow Spear is super important in this matchup because you cannot remove it and it sort of swings the that racing in my favor. And uh, I, I do this lovely play where in his upkeep I get to ice his uh, Merktide so that he can't swing and he can't block. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, what is it called? Invasion? Is it from Invasion? Apocalypse. Apocalypse, of course. Apocalypse staple coming in clutch. So that was cool. Game two, I don't have a needle, and he has triple wasteland. I actually bait one of the wastelands, because I've seen it on top of his library, so I bait it with uh, uh, Ancient Tomb to sort of... I, I my I only can rely on, on, on winning with Ursa Saga is my feeling, so I need him to waste me. So... It actually comes down to that I can start making constructs and almost uh, swing the match. But then he pumps his own Merktide with another Merktide and can swing for lethal. In game 3 he beats me with a Delver and again I'm on the Saga plan. I make a few tokens. I bounce the Delver with the Spell Bomb and of course the follow-up to that is the Merktide. And he forces a Psy which would make a lot of blockers but... Eventually, I, I get to like turn the tide with with the Shadow Sphere. So like Shadow Shadow Sphere was totally the the MVP of this matchup because of all the life that it's gaining. Like, do you remember, guys, when we first discussed uh, Shadow Sphere in one of our first episodes, where we were like, yeah, this might be this sort of fringe one drop you can get with Ursa's Saga. We even sort of named the episode after our sort of discussion of the art of the card, which looks like a Protoss battleship. You know, six months later, <laughs> look where we are. It's like, wins you sort of two or three out of four matches of this evening. In in every game, it's it's such a, a swinger card because, like, uh, you, you can win any race with a trample and a lifelink uh, combination that is so super strong. So, yeah, really cool. I mean, well, it was, it was all wonderful to watch. Well done indeed, Robin. Nice way to finish off the year. Christopher, how was uh, your paper week? Uh, my paper week was uh, mostly school papers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my no! Like yeah, you you gave it to me for free, but yeah, I didn't have time actually to play this week. I think last week in total, even the weekend like uh, included, I probably went up. I was in school at around eight each day, and I was home at around six. And uh, yeah, I've. I've I've just been studying crazy, like all all evenings, everything has just been like programming or writing uh, essays. Yeah, we're finally uh, out. So now I get like 
two and a half weeks or something to just chillax a bit. I'm I'm actually building and brewing a bit of eight cast uh, myself, and I'm uh, dipping my toes into putting one copy of Ursa and one copy of uh, Transmute Artifact into the deck, and we'll see where that leads us. But it's uh, it's gonna be fun. Sounds beautiful. However, I heard that another co-host might have attended the LGS premiere play for Victor. Would you like to share? Yeah, I went down indeed. I sleeved up my monogreen post and zero copies of Island in my opponent's decks uh, all evening. <laughs> <laughs> this is the rage that I've had. I just need to, like, I built the check pile to beat up on blue decks like Island decks and I have played zero since I started <laughs> doing it. Yep. Yep. Now in- instead, I-, I sit down. I'm like, yes, let's play Legacy. And and my opponent whips out the Asmran, the Mighty Kada Eastern, I call Dakar Cookbook Welder Stacks Mind Slaver deck. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, what the fuck? And I'm super. <laughs> Did you <dead>. get locked? <laughs> oh, I I got uh, first game. I just sort of completely lost to two very fast constructs on the play from my opponent, and I have nothing to do there pre-sideboard really i'm like yeah i'm gonna play my land and they're gonna be like yeah i'm gonna play these 14 artifacts and swing I'm like sure you do that fine and in the second game i got locked i got tangle wired smoke stacked and mind slaver in the same game that's beautiful yeah so this is this is a mono red asmarana maridikala istanakul dakar cookbook yeah welder stacks mind slaver deck and then in the second round i played against elves which also is a bit like, okay, I'm going to play my cool land, so I have lots of mana in two turns. And then I'd be like, sure, two turns, you say. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> Oof, there it is. I'm just going to goldfish. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to play Glimpse of Nature. I'm like, sure, resolves. Absolutely. Resolves, okay. Yeah, here we go. So those were sort of two pretty quick matches. <laughs> Fun, though, but very quick absolutely stomping me and then i won uh, handily against uh, bai i don't know who that is but <laughs> never shows up uh, it was a fairly easy game and then in the last round i played against full color loam in uh, over three pretty interesting games i managed to win in the end by my opponent i think went a bit too heavy on the sideboard uh, sort of destroy my deck plan and i could attack from another angle destroy said sideboard plan but in the end they had like so this is my i tap for 60 mana and then and they're like sure okay let's <laughs> let's sh- sh- shake that up oh, thank man. you very much it sounds like a, a pretty rough matchup i think with the wastelands and uh, and the knights to to find the wasteland and greens and zenith to find the knights and so on yes playing for main deck pithing needles uh, sort of uh, delivered because i knew my opponent was on a wasteland deck so i kept uh, a hand with sort of pitting that's in the so-called blind. Of course, it wasn't blind because I knew what was going on. And that really helped. But, um, I mean, cards like Ashok that prohibits you from searching a library. Oh. It's like, oh no, fuck. Wow. And like Liliana of the Veil, like sack your, your creature. I'm like, no, I don't want to. Things like that happen. Uh, so um, it was very interesting games. Again, like I think I lost, I, I think I won the, the match by my opponent leaning too heavily into a cyber plan but that could as well have gone their way so you know fun games i really love those uh, like some post decks especially like uh, like way back maybe seven 
plus years ago uh, when they were doing like the blue green post list to have show and tell in the deck because they do play like a lot of fatties but also primeval titan and i remember at our local game store there was this moment where a primeval titan had resolved and got to attack once and then like end step i i didn't play the game but i watched it my opponent cro- not the the player crop rotated for dark depths and defrosted it with mana oh just paid 30 and i was just standing <laughs> like oh god this is yep. beautiful wow. because like sure you could have like with that mana you can get like less spicy you can you can crop for I and get Emrakul, but who's going to remember that? Wow. No one's going to remember that. That is an epic play. Yeah, I mean, this deck really is, it's that sort of type of deck that will sort of allow you to do these super powerful, really epic plays. Primeval Titan is such a key there. I, I played a couple of games uh, post-mortem against Cookbook just to sort of feel how the matchup shook out. And I triumph when I get to resolve primetime. Because that completely turns the turns the tide. In the, in the third game against the, the Loam deck, I resolved Titan. They had a huge, a huge knight, and then I attack, trigger, get Bujuka Bog, <laughs> Ooh. shrink your dude, stuff like that. So the prime time really does a lot of interesting things. Uh, and also sometimes sort of that that type of sort of tech uh, backfires on you against elves in the first game. I think it would have lost anyway, but I had this opportunity when I can search for Glacial Chasm, but it's in my hand. You, know, you have that feeling as well. You're like, oh, this could have been better. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was super fun. I think sort of had I known the meta going in, I should probably, if I wanted to win games, I could have brought just Black Red Reanimator and probably crushed all of those three opponents, at least, just out of matchup percentage. But then again, perhaps I would have faced one of the actual blue decks that were in the room and sort of lost there. So, you know, fun time anyway. Good to hear and good to have you with us at the LGS. is approaching in our next episode we're going to talk about in broader terms how was 2021 in retrospect and this week we're going to focus on a smaller more narrow perspective what we took away personally from our paper play this year robin why don't you start us off what are the three things that you take away from this year in the paper terms i have listed four things (laughs) sorry that's all right I actually played four decks this year, so I have to talk a little bit about each of those. So in the beginning of the year, like before the vaccinations and all of that in the like the in the time of the pandemic, most of the play was on on webcam and there was this Discord National League. I was working on this blue and white shark steel deck, and uh, like in the last last season of that. Nationals League, I managed to make it to the finals with that blue and white shark, shark steel deck. And I was quite stalwart. I wasn't playing an Ursa Saga in it. It was just like sharks and standstills. I didn't, I don't think I played any of the Dr- Eternal Dragons either. So it was like real, quite old school for that time even. Just sharks, Hall of Heliods, Generosity, and a lot of enchantments that you can put on top of your, of your library. So that was real cool. 
and uh, faced off uh, in the blue and white mirror at the finals and got beaten up with uh, with the true name nemesis after switching all of the council's judgments for prismatic endings. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And then during the summer I was playing a lot of rainbow depths. Uh, I had a, like a gathering at my house where I beat my guests up with turn one merit age <laughs> hospitality chef's kiss <laughs> and then i took it to the alar games during the summer and just like got got to realize how rough it is to play a thoughtseize deck in the monkey meta so that deck went on the shelf and i'm, I'm really keen to pick it up if the monkey goes to a ban because that deck is super sweet to play. I love all the like the free interaction in it. You can build a, uh, a huge stack protecting your guy, and it's a it's it's a real uh, powerful deck. But like the the stealing of your spells in the early game is really really rough for that deck. And then I went on to like brewing, building, and piloting lands for the nationals, which was like the next segment and. Like, that was a, such a good time, like, being in the Lance Discord, which is really, uh, you know, active and a uh, lot of great players and brewers are there. And, and they are, like, trying all kind of uh, decks, all kind of color combinations uh, with Ursas, without Ursas. Which such a, uh, like, uh, a fun thing to be a part of that sort of mo movement, then leading up to the Nationals. And after that, I've been building and tweaking uh, this 8-cast list uh, based on the Uppsala crew. So, yeah, that, that's my highlights for the year, I think, when it comes to Legacy Magic. That's a great year. Yeah, it's super nice also, because uh, we did play a lot on Discord before, like, the LGS. Like, we got the LGS and got some paper play going, like, physical paper play. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny, like, uh, all of those stages... Like, I've been present all the way through it, and it's been super fun. Like, when you talked about certain decks now, I got, like, nostalgic. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah I was really into the Lansdale. You had a short band period there as well. But, yeah, like, it, it didn't really, compared to the other archetypes you talked about, it, it didn't really hold the same place for you as the other four decks. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a really crazy Robin year. Like, <laughs> four different decks. Yeah. Because you're, you're usually like a one, two decks per year person. Yeah. So this has really been like breaching, like breaching the normal, like your norms year. So it's been really nice. I think if Delver hadn't gotten like 20 new cards, I, I would have played Delver much of this year, I think. Because I was building Delver with, you know, whales and all of that uh, things that was uh, the, the thing to do before, before Modern Horizons 2. But then Modern Horizons 2 came and just like destroyed all those plants and then I went into this mood at that time. I'm not I'm going to try to kill Delver instead of play Delver. Uh, so that was the <laughs> mantra. <laughs> Here are your new threats. Exactly. No, but that's great. Uh, good for you, Robin. Christopher, what about your legacy paper 2021 play? How did that shake out? So like my my top three things in general this year was first of all, you know, all of the brewing that took place uh, during the summer where we had the apothecary uh, segment of the podcast. It really pushed me to, you know, try the, certain things out, make some brews happen, play test them. And a lot of really fun decks got uh, created as a, like, yeah, what can you say, as an effect of that. 
like I, I remember the artificer deck that I built, the blue red one, is kind of like uh, what we're seeing a bit with welders and various apprentices now, but also it's kind of like a weaker version of what eight cast is. But it's it's kind of in the middle of that, and it's kind of funny. Like I did sniff out that deck, uh, like that sort of configuration, super early on. But then now people have really perfected it, like in both directions. So it's been extremely fun to see that. But the special shout out is definitely to the Bug Witch deck that I built. You know, it featured Flusterstorms, Growth Spirals, and Mystic Sanctuary together with Sedgemore Witch, which just creates and days. Yeah, and days. Yeah, you need to get that Mystic Sanctuary up up in your hand again so you can replay it. Maybe even you know, Growth Spiral it down. Do some shenanigans. Values. Yeah, like uh, I'm. I'm really thinking about you know picking it up again. Now I've played a lot of four color and in Checkpile, but I'm thinking about maybe there is space, like the sign space, for a red splash in that deck with maybe you know Mystic Sanctuary, Growth Spiral, Days, and maybe Expressive Iteration or something like that, or with the Bloom Command to get more cards into the graveyard. And maybe push even harder. Maybe there's a world where you don't even play the Sedgemore Witches. And you go more hard on Merktide Regent and uh, maybe some some other mean cards. But it's it's been super fun, you know, just brewing a lot. Although like Modern Horizons came with some problems, uh, it also came with a lot of design space for a lot of different decks and. I guess that's why I'm kind of hoping for a less uh, linear meta that I think that we have now, uh, no matter what that, those bands eventually would look like, uh, just because there's so much fun design space for decks from on horizons too, that doesn't really see the light of day now. But then the second one that I want to talk about is playing so many variants of Allurance, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a deck that I've played for a really long like time. And, you know, 80-card version, I decided to bring that to the Nationals after only having, like, two LGS reps with it and some playtesting outside LGS matches. And it was a super fun deck. I've also, you know, tried a 60-card version with everything from Teferis to the uh, Seagate Stormcaller? No, the... Yes. Yeah, the two mana really mean with Kaibal Therapy uh, card and, uh, you know, some some other sweet cards. But then again, like my my heart still lies with the 60 card bug and trying out so many different ways of building that. Like uh, there was one episode where I talked about the flash heavy build where I had hull breachers and endurances and just quattles packed all of those really annoying flash threats in the deck. But biggest shout out and addition uh, for Alern this year has been not a Serac for me, but Grist. A uh, Serac has been really good. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong, but the deck can win like a lot of games like without the Serac. But Grist makes a lot of games that can be bad for you swing in your favor. And I've really appreciated that. I mean, uh, can I just say that you even changed your name for that card? So yeah, Christopher. That card was quite influential to you. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's been great. And the third is just you know getting to play paper again 
uh, at our LGS. It's been, you know, a really, a really nice time to see all your friends again. And the gathering is just such a crucial component of playing Magic for me. And I really enjoy the meta in Stockholm as well. Like some players, you know, they have they've played some things that I'm not really used to when I'm playing uh, at the Discord, where the meta could be repeti- repetitive because we were like four to five people, maybe six sometimes. And, you know, you, you understand the play patterns of your opponents and what deck they're playing. So just going to a, a local game store and get beat up by Armageddon from the sideboard is, <laughs> is great. Yeah. It also pushed me to try and shock people when I, like, when I finally go to the LGS. You know, I actually played eight Walla at uh, like one of the first days uh, I played a lot of check pile and just trying to shake the meta up a bit like not giving people too much of an idea what I'm going to bring next so yeah I'm really happy that you know legacy is a thing that exists and that we have a place to play it and you know just share brews share uh, some tense moments with each other and have a good time so that's my my third top three and also speaking about this LGS, I mean it's it's called Alpha Spill Alpha Gaming, and they have now they have a, a soft opening of their Alpha Bar because they have built a restaurant in adjacent to the to the playing area. So not more playing area, and eventually we can go down and literally do Paper Legacy and beer in the same location, and that's going to be I think freaking awesome when that comes around. Yeah, that is sick. So if you like that as a player, come support that. Give these guys your money. Definitely. For sure. Well, Victor, it's your time. Give us your rundown. Yeah, I'm going to start off uh, sort of close to where you finished off. My number one thing on this year is just opening uh, and realizing the the extreme potential of Grist to Hunger Tide and putting Grist to Hunger Tide in Rector Fit. That card is just everything I love about Magic the Gathering. It has great, fantastic lore. It has all the nice abilities you want. It puts you, pushes you in a in a play um, in a play pattern that I like. It just it's just everything. I just love Grist, even though I usually mill my win cons instead of. <laughs> The Euros that I never even... You gotta get up. the ribs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta get the reps. In. I don't care, though. I mean, I love Grist anyway, because... Um, I... You don't put uh, Uro in your deck. Too. No. No, why would I? It's harder to mill Uro if you, it's not in your deck. I have a Grist. <laughs> why would I play Uro? That's, that's true. Fuck that shit. No, but also remembering, like, when we first discussed Grist, when Modern Horizons 2 were spoiled, I remember we sort of hoped this card would be good because we're like oh this is really cool and it's it's a creature you can sort of it's living wish and mm, wow so many different things and it turns out that it's actually sort of holding the fort and uh, that's just lovely second thing during 2021 i had my first stint at playing an, an 80 card main deck deck or a 95 total deck which was uh, no, no surprise to, to anyone uh, the yorian dnt which of course would be the 80 card deck that i play and i had really fun playing that and i was such a non-believer in this like how can this be good and it's really good <laughs> turns out so um yeah that's fun and um it's it's um it is a bit of a dexterity challenge though shuffling an 80 card deck all day that is um you have to stay fit to do that but then the third thing 
for this year was also sort of nice to realize that Black Red Reanimator still kind of slaps, at least if you cyborg correctly. <laughs> I remember at um, the Nationals when I went 5-3 but took some initial losses against, I would say, good players. I sideboarded perhaps 80% correctly pre-tournament and uh, I got some sort of... It's, it's a deck that sort of you have to expect to get the unlucky draws because the deck is it's not a glass cannon deck. But it's really a deck where you can just draw not the wrong half of the deck, but perhaps the wrong fourth of the deck in in a in a, in a sequence that just sort of really is not to your benefit. But since you're 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 playing a deck that packs so much raw power that Black Red Reanimator does, you sort of if that was not the case, this deck would probably be way too good. If it had a consistency of the blue black old Reanimator, but the power of the black red and splash colors that you have right now right now white because of uh, artifact hate and so on it would just be too good so uh, i'm playing that deck uh, has always been you know my most successful deck because i should you know do whatever is is big and epic and, and close to satan and <laughs> i am very happy that i i brought this to this uh, huge paper event in Boros. makes me very happy so many fond memories of that yeah, I, I definitely appreciate uh, combo decks that aren't really a glass cannon, more like a crystal glass cannon, where even if it breaks, the shards can still resonate and make some things happen. And, you know, one counterspell, if you have a fatty in the graveyard, one counterspell to stop you the first time might not always get them, like, the, the whole game anyways. Like, especially with Grizzlebrand and... And the Archon of Cruelty, which just swings games so fast, like um, getting stopped the first time around is not always going to be enough. Like most times it's actually not going to be enough. And uh, it has really gotten some nice additions. Like, sure, you can always talk about how how like Endurance made a big, ooh, this is going to be tricky for, for Reanimator or Graveyard decks. But then you still, like, at the same time, you got grief <laughs> from the same cycle. And there are some very cool things that has made the deck attack from another angle, which I really appreciate. Yeah, and I think that sort of points to the, the opening of new design space that Modern Horizons 2 gave us. That we are sort of not appreciating, I think, fully enough because we are stuck in this quite solved meta, <laughs> to to, uh, to say the least. But if you sort of try and try hard and look beyond the veil of this sol- solved meta, you find all these cards like the Grists, the the Archons, the Griefs that do really interesting things and could probably do a lot of interesting things in more decks as well. Uh, I mean, I mean, there are cards like Asmurana Maridikada, Istanakul Dakar. <laughs> All these things came, and they're not sort of game-destructive, terrible cards. They are really interesting space. It just so happens that we got some super-duper-duper-duper powerful cards as well at the same time. Yeah. So, um, and I've been really enjoying that. But as you say, I mean, it is a different deck, at least after you've cast your first Grizzle Run. That's that's the same. Turn one, chance to reveal, swamp. You're just that crow yeah, now. Unmask you, like, dark you're ritual, just a... and two, exhume, draw seven. I love that meme. Petal, dark ritual, petal, fateless looting, animate that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I can't stress how happy I am that they didn't make the blue evoke creature in that cycle at the same power level as maybe the top three ones. Yeah. Sorry, Fury. But the other ones has just been 
extremely crazy, but not like in a super unbalanced way. Like grief, there's already a similar effect. Solitude, it's it's like a swords to plowshares on a body. It's not crazy, but it is good and it does help the decks that need that effect. I thought you were going to say it's swords to plowshares, but white. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a slouches, but white, so you need to pay five for it <laughs> or and pitch a card. But I really think like that. I'm I'm really happy that they they're kind of what can you say aware enough to not make the blue one. Yeah, crazy. super happy about that. Yeah, like if that would have been like not a force of will, but like close to it, we don't need that. I'm I'm pretty happy with where it landed. Yeah, all in all, I, one of my favorite MH2 card is Dress Down. I think it's such a such a, uh, a, f- a fun card, and it's it, a nicely constructed card, being a flash enchantment that dies at the end of turn, and I can't rip part of it, and it's it's just really cool. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, again, Modern Horizons, like the 8-cost deck, we wouldn't have that unless Modern Horizons gives you, you know, a thought monitor, yep. for example. And, th- and that's and Saga. And that's in Saga, of course. <laughs> saga and that's, is and probably that's the great biggest. innovation. Yeah. That's, that's great. Like, look, we got this sort of new deck thanks to this set and this deck is powerful and fun and versatile and you can iterate on it etc etc it's no i i'm uh, i will say i will be a modern horizons 2 believer i really think uh, if you look at just eight cast as an example like before that we did have the the like echo ursa uh, versions but those decks are quite similar to you know bomberman like in in a in a vacuum they're pretty similar decks but having you know extra design space when you're building the deck where people you know started cutting certain cards like yeah maybe we don't need karn maybe we just want thought monitors instead and seeing the deck going from the ursa deck to where eight cast is is extremely interesting because eight cast is somewhere between an affinity deck and yeah. the, the ursa deck but it attacks in such a such a like straight straight head-on angle that I really think fits in Legacy. Like we do have the other decks already. We do have an an Ursa slash Bomberman style deck, but Eight Cast is really a beast of its own, and I really appreciate. Uh, like, and that's that's what I harked on earlier. The design space. There's so much. To explore not only from Modern Horizons, but there might be other cards that are just not seeing play right now, and um, that could definitely get in there. And that is all we have for this week. We do hope you have enjoyed this episode and that you will get some amount of time for rest and recreation during the holidays, regardless if you celebrate hard or take the opportunity to get some extra gaming done in these days when you will not be studying or at work. You can also go down the route of just hating Christmas. I think that's a perfectly valid option. If you had fun with this show, uh, you can help us grow by telling a friend. Uh, That really matters. And if you want to reach out to us, a great way is to join the Discord server. You can find the link in the episode information here. You can also hit us up on Twitter at STHLMLegacy. We are personally present on some social media as well, Robin. Where can our listeners find you on the discord server yeah you'll find me on the discord server as well or on my twitter handle at monolith mtg i will also be in the discord server and on twitter at disco drogo and that is the end of the 30th episode of stockholm legacy report 
Thank you, Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Warm thank you to you for listening. The Great Frönes has written our music. You can check them out on Spotify. Until next time, remember to pet your granite gargoyle.